Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. I'm so happy to be with you. How are you doing? You're doing well? I can't hear you. (laughs) Are you doing well? I pray that you are. I pray that you are, dear ones. Um, uh, Just before we get started, I would like to mention to you, because many people have been asking, when is your homeschooling newsletter coming out? Because I've been promising it to you for 10 years, not quite. Um, But it's at the printer, and it should be in the mail at the end of this week um, or the very beginning of next. So if you would like that, and we have other things, if you are an oblate of Mary, we we began the um, uh, Benedictine oblates of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, and we shortened that to Mary's oblates. So if you are an oblate um, through us, you um, uh, are going to get three newsletters in one. And they're going out with our regular newsletter. If you're not an oblate, but you'd like to be one, you'll have all the information to become one in this next newsletter for you and your family, if you wish, or just you. And so if you are on our mailing list, you don't need to worry. You will, you will receive it. If you are not and you'd like to be, there's no cost for anything, but you need to go to our website and just sign up. Uh, and you can get it only email or email and regular mail as well. And um, I, I love when people sign up for the regular mail as well, because then you get the extra holy cards and everything else we may put in and, uh, in the newsletter. In this newsletter, we printed a special, very beautiful holy card with a spiritual communion prayer uh, on it for those who are not able to get to Mass uh, at all or as regularly as you wish. It's the wonderful spiritual communion prayer that you could say at home or anywhere you are. Um, so our website is www.motherofisraelshope.org. The name of the community is Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, and the website is motherofisraelshope.org. And toward the right, just click on Newsletter and um and you can sign up right there. I've had a note from a couple of people that it won't take your email or there's a bit of problem with it. I hope it's fixed by now, but if not, if for any reason, then just click on contact, email me directly at the mail at Mother of Israel's Hope address, and um, we'll get you on the mailing list. Make sure you've got your full address, um, zip code and all. Okay. Um, God bless you. Now, uh I saw this morning, I subscribed to Crisis Magazine online, and uh, I saw an article this morning by Anthony Azolin. Uh, I think he's one of the best writers we have in our world today. He's just beautiful. Um, and the, the heading is, How Might We Heal Our Nation?, well, the heading, How Might We Kneel our, Heal Our Nation, and Anthony Azolin is too good a con, uh, um, combination for me to miss. So I printed out the article to read to us. I just skimmed it 
but I'll read it together so we can enjoy um, the beauty of um, of this holy man of God. Uh, Anthony Isolan says, I have been reading the works of St. Hildegard. Hildegard was 1098 to 1179. The visionary, mystic, naturalist, scriptural, exegete, artist, and musical composer. In one of his weekly audiences, Pope Benedict XVI recommended her, St. Hildegard, to us for her remarkable meditations upon the word made flesh which made manifest what she called the greenness of the Father's power and the goodness of the created order. Hildegard was, Benedict said, a beautiful exemplar of what his predecessor, John Paul II, had called the feminine genius. This prompted the editors of the Huffington Post to note that it was a rare instance in which the purportedly conservative Pope was in accord with feminism. (laughs) He that is giddy, this is from Shakespeare, he that is giddy thinks the world turns around, turns round. People who see things only in terms of politics will suppose that everyone else is colorblind too. It wasn't just the post. I found otherwise sensible commentators on Hildegard's work saying, without stopping to question their premises, that it was surprising to see the influence she exerted on matters of both church and state in a time when patriarchal hierarchies were the order of the day. Now, you have to put your thinking cap on for this article. Um, I do think that Anthony Azolan is right, that what he's writing will heal our nation. But, but you really need to think through this article now. That Hildegard was a woman to reckon with, there's no doubt. Hildegard was called the Sibyl on the Rhine, after the ancient Roman prophetess. Popes and bishops and princes sought her counsel. A great number of her letters were gathered and published after her death. They did not do so because she was a woman. They did so because they perceived that she spoke for God. She was a holy woman. When she wrote to Pope Eugenius III about the firebrand reformer Arnold of Brescia, who had as many a reformer will, pitched himself by enthusiasm right into heresy. She did not say, here is what I think. She said that the father had shown her a vision. In this case, a vision of a bear snatching at a precious gem. She did not do so of her own prompting. Eugenius himself had requested the council. Hildegard was by no means the only woman of such influence. We can see why it should be so. God gives his grace to women as well as to men. When the psalmist says, put not your trust in princes, he means to include all embodiments of merely human strength. We might say, put not your trust in armies, tools, and machines, computer programs, scientists, political action, money, pollsters, and so forth. We forget this advice all the time. Christians in the 12th century forgot it too, but not all the time. Okay, 
Anthony Azolan continues, don't check out of this if some of it's hard to follow. He's getting to the point, and I think it is the point for us, the point for us. Anthony Azolan continues, I might say more. We no longer even understand what the advice implies. It seems to demand that we should not walk upon our own two feet. On what else should we walk? The ancient Israelites, who were men as we are, and therefore often foolish in the ways which we are foolish, could sometimes turn to the law that God revealed to Moses or to the prophets, those hard-bitten men of little comfort and no compromise. The law was holy. The prophets were holy. That was why the same children of Israel so often shredded the law and slew the prophets. But we do not even recognize the category. They slew their holy men, but we don't even recognize the holy men anymore. Not because they don't exist, but because we don't recognize them. We come back from the break. He's going to tell us why. Don't go away, beloved. And after the second break, we'll take your calls, your texts, and your emails. And in advance, the toll-free number is one 511 Five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. How good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. I am just thrilled. We are right in the middle of an article titled How to Heal Our Nation by one of, I think, our best authors today, a man I deeply respect uh, through his writings, Anthony Isolen, E-S-O-L-E-N. And um, we've just read the beginning of his article, which in in some form of summary, um, in the midst of all that's going on today, everything is seen as political. We can hardly see truth through it. We can hardly see through it what is holy and good. But Anthony continues, um, this is bad for us because it leaves us like two-dimensional creatures in a three-dimensional world, continually surprised by perfectly orderly phenomenon that strikes us as having come from nowhere. But the holy exists because God exists. To whom might we turn then for counseled, counsel in our troubled times? Where are the holy men and women who see more than we see and who can help us to hear the word of God? And he goes on to point out the illustration of the Obama administration press charges against the Little Sisters of the Poor because the sisters did not want to use their insurance plan to pay for contraceptive or abortifacient drugs. The courts in Massachusetts were set to command Catholic adoption agencies to place children with gay couples, but the cardinal forestalled them forestalled them by shutting up shop. People by the hundreds of thousands march in usually bad weather in January in Washington, D.C., not to demand power or money for themselves, but life for the poorest and most powerless in our midst, the unborn child. Anthony Azolan says, I'm not attributing holiness to any particular persons involved here, but it is at least surprising that no one would acknowledge in them any measure of selflessness or charity. This is the point, beloved. This is the thing that will heal our nation. Anthony says, no one says these people ask only the freedom to be kind to others as their faith demands. We should let them be. No one says These people have come at great expense and in a spirit of prayer to beg us to let others live. We should at least listen to them, but nobody listens to them. Similarly, no one is saying now we should seek out the holiest men and women among us to ask in humility how we might heal the divisions in our nation. If you lived anywhere in Europe in the time of St. Hildegard and you said, I need a holy man or woman to give me counsel, you would be told right away where to go and you would not have to go far. I do not mean that there was a greater number of holy people then. I mean that holiness was recognized. Oh, beloved, this is so important. People could perceive the green of holiness. The world was not a universal brown or gray. Where would we go? 
1998, a giant of a man appeared before the state legislator in Wisconsin. He was the future Hall of Fame defensive lineman Reggie White, the Reverend Reggie White, the Minister of Defense, whose church in Tennessee had been burned to the ground by arsonists a couple of years before. White had two ambitions in life. One was to play professional football, and the other was to preach the word of God. He did both. His works for charity were prodigious. He fought especially for harmony among the races. To those politicians in Madison, Wisconsin, he said that God had endowed each ethnic group with particular gifts so that all together they made up a mosaic which showed the face of God. He also said that it was wrong to consider homosexuality in the same way we consider a race or a people because the homosexual chooses to do what he does and what he does is wicked. The legislators did not like hearing that Asians can turn a television into a watch or that American Indians were gifted in spirituality. They heard such words as a tax. It was as if I had said, you could walk through any town in Italy in 1500 and everywhere you spat, you would hit an artist. How is that an attack? I suspect that the real object of their scorn was not that White, who had spent his career as a black man in an overwhelmingly white city, which was Green Bay, Wisconsin, had to say about the races, but what he had to say about sex. When he died suddenly in 2004, one gay writer said gleefully that White was now shoveling coals in hell. Oh, beloved, this is even hard to read, but we have to get it. We have to understand it. We have gone, this is my words now, insane as a people, as a world, as a world. We've gone insane. We're not thinking anymore. He continues. I'm reading a little fast because I want to get through this article before the next break. You can go to Crisis Magazine and get the full article. What nobody said, Anthony continues, neither his friends nor his detractors, was that White was a man of God seeking nothing for himself, a man of great generosity, appealing for understanding, and that we should listen to him for the holiness of his life. Nobody said it because nobody believed it. It wasn't that they had some other living exemplar of holiness. It just never occurred to them to think of such a thing. To whom should we turn? All is politics, every minute of every day. There's no rest from it, no haven, no quiet abbey of prayer, no mountaintop where the holy man might hear the still, small voice of God. Beloved, that's the end of the article. And that's the point of the article, to return to sanity to see things as they are, to return to holiness. You know, um, I don't have to tell you how awful things are getting because you have the news just as I do, both in the church and in the world. Um, I go to Fox News uh, mostly for what's happening in the world and for what's happening in the church to LifeSite News generally. Now, if I had... Uh, local station of the cross i would turn to the station of the cross but life site news and i i subscribe to their daily um uh emails 
they have a Catholic edition, they have a local edition for the United States, they have a world edition. They are absolutely, absolutely top and absolutely trustworthy. And while I'm mentioning this, beloved, I, I wasn't going to do this today, but let, let me just do it because they are coming up on their fundraiser. Um, and I think they do it four times a year. I'm not sure. Um, we did, we did a, a fundraiser, a Station of the Cross, not too long ago. And we need to be involved, beloved. The only reason I'm coming to you live stream is because LifeSite News has joined with the Station of the Cross. With the Station, without the Station of the Cross, my favorite people in the world, we wouldn't have even live streaming through LifeSite. But LifeSite has joined with Station of the Cross to live stream Mother Miriam Live. And I could not be happier to be with the two, I think, most trustworthy apostolates in, in the world uh, as far as uncompromising Catholic news is concerned. And I got an email uh, this week that uh, LifeSite News has an uh, incredible donor uh, and who said that they are going to double each one's monthly gift. If it's a dollar, they'll make it two. If it's a hundred dollars, they'll make it two hundred. Whatever the monthly gift is, they're going to double it up to a hundred and twenty thousand. You know, when I hear people say that, I say, well, why don't if they want to give a hundred and twenty thousand? Why don't they just give it? I used to be impatient about that, but no, that's not true. If I had one hundred and twenty thousand to give, I would delight in saying, "Lifesite, I want to give you this, but would you please announce that it's based on your getting one hundred and twenty thousand from maybe one hundred and twenty uh, people or one hundred and twenty thousand people who give a dollar each um, each month." Um, because I want to encourage others to give. And if somebody can only give $10 a month and they know that in their name it's going to be 20 it's a tremendous encouragement. So um, I would encourage you all, and let's see what you can do here. Um, it, it's a... It's a um, I get their emails every single day. It's, it's the number one site for pro-life, for family life journalism, you can you can know you can know as much as I know and more if you if you subscribe to their website. Um, and let me see now. You can find the link to donate in the comments of this video. It says so. Go to the comments of this video or um, by visiting LifeSite News Life L I F E Site S I T E News. Uh, LifeSite News, one word, dot com, slash, front lines, one word, front lines, 2020. Or just go to LifeSite News um, website, and they'll lead you from there to donate. And you know, uh, the same as Station of the Cross, a one-time donation is a treasure. A monthly donation is a treasure. Large donations are a treasure. Small donations are a treasure. Uh, I think I've told you the story of our getting a dollar a month for for years now from a beautiful woman named Teresa. And once she really had a lot of money, so she sent us two dollars and she's back to a dollar now. And she had uh, two cats and used to ask us to pray for her cats. So her one cat, Maria, died. and Then we sent her money to bury Maria and get food and um and now I just got a new note with her, her this month's contribution of a dollar asking us to pray for her cat Maria because the, Maria has eye problems and that's all she has in the world is this little cat Maria. Um, I tell you, there are 
people who can send a hundred thousand. There are people who could send a dollar a month, and I love both. I love both because we know that when someone sends a monthly gift, no matter the size of it, they're with us. They're in this with us. They're praying for us. So for LifeSite News, um, especially during this time of their fundraiser and uh, for Station of the Cross, both apostolates, it, it's just a beautiful thing to have apostolates that you can trust every single penny you give. Okay. Um, but the other thing I'd like to say is, and I think we're coming up uh, uh, across the break uh, very momentarily, um, is the only thing to do in these days, the only thing to do, beloved, things are getting worse. I'm not a prophet, and I will tell you without wavering, they will, they're going to get a lot worse before they get better, if they get better in our lifetime. I think a lot of people are going to die before anything begins to get better. We're coming upon prophetic times and uh, some pretty serious things that are coming upon us, predicted by Our Lady in her several apparitions, because we we have not repented. We have not repented. We need to do that. We need to know our faith. We need to repent and live our faith and love our God. We need to do that. And so I want to help us to do that. And starting tomorrow, we're going to go through a study and where we know what to do and how to live for God in our homes and in our present circumstance where we're being denied the Mass and where all kinds of debauchery is being performed in our midst. Um, Beloved, call in with anything on your heart and we'll be right back after the break. Don't go away. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. Hi, this is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. We bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show, 888-526-2151. 
The Terry and Jesse Show, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved to Mother Miriam Live. I am thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour all to ourselves. So call in with anything on your heart, no matter the subject, um, with any question you might have, and I'll do my best to, to answer or to help you get an answer. And the toll-free number is one 5483 or email at mother at This is a perfect time to call in or to email. Our lines are wide open. We have an email from Garrett who writes, <clears throat> Hi, Mother. There are times when anything negative has led me to more serious sin. I am someone who has a difficult time taking criticism from other people, especially when it comes out harshly. While I recognize that my maturity level is likely very low, how can I and other people handle criticism or negativity in a godly manner? I go to confession frequently because I know I cannot do anything without God's help. I thank you for your advice in advance, and God bless you. Now... I know what you need to do, Garrett, because it's what we all need to do. Jesus was very strong in his criticism. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. If your arm causes you whatever, cut it off, um, rather than your whole body being thrown into hell. Jesus was very strong and very clear. Um, I'm going to give you an answer that's not going to be easy for you, but I think it's the only answer, Garrett. Receive everything. Receive it as of from God. So if someone says to you, and I have no idea what the criticism is, let somebody, let's say someone says to you, and I don't know you, Garrett, so I have no idea. I just throw something out. Let's say someone says to you, you are a selfish person, Garrett. Well, I I don't, you don't sound selfish to me, and I, I, I don't know you. But if he's, if someone says to you, you are so selfish, and you know you're not, you don't believe it, you don't know what their problem is, um, receive it. Trust that God had a reason for that person saying to you, you're selfish. Trust that God had a reason. And trust that there is something in you that triggered in him the fact that you're selfish now. If you are selfish, or if uh, there's a trait in you that is self-centered or self-seeking or selfish, and you're not aware of it, just say, Lord, this person just said to me, I'm selfish. I don't feel it. I don't understand that. But, Lord, if you have used this person to show me that I'm selfish, Please help me. I don't want to be selfish. I want to be holy. I want to give everything away. I don't want to be selfish and hold on to anything. Um, not even my own life, Lord. So please help me. And I don't see it right now, but if it's true, 
please um, show that to me and help me to see myself so I can correct that. Now, if this person thinks you're selfish and you're not, say, Lord, I think they've got it wrong. I still want to be open. Show me if this is a problem of mine. But if not, Lord, I pray for that person because they're hurting and something has hurt them. And if they're wrong about me, I'm pr- I'll am i pray for them because you've brought them into my life and allowed them to criticize me. And so I pray for their woundedness, Lord, and I pray for whatever's in me touched their wounded spot. And again, if any of it's true, show me so I could be free. See, don't ever be afraid because to love God and to grow in union with him, we need to see ourselves and God usually shows shows us ourselves through people and circumstances. And so if we just, um, uh, if we get offended, we get hurt when we're criticized, we're shutting God out. We're saying, no, I, I want to think what I think, and I don't want to be open, and I don't want to listen, and I don't want to understand why people see things in me that I don't see, you know. Uh, so... I would turn it around, and every time someone criticizes you, in the silence of your heart, say, thank you for your love for me, Lord. Thank you for bringing this dear soul into my life. They either need help and kindness or love, or they're showing me something that you really want me to see. In any case, help me to love you. That's the way to do it, Garrett. That's the way to do it. It's to reach out to other people and to want to be like God and trust God for the things he allows in your life. We have a call from Lisa from Massachusetts. Hi, Lisa. Hi, good morning, Mother. Good morning. Oh, I am. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, Good. Um, I have a question. So I, um, obviously, everybody's churches were closed, and our church couldn't open up, but the one in my hometown does. So I keep giving this church a chance, but, and, um, I went in and, um, he, the priest did a sermon. He was doing his sermon, but he wasn't talking about, um, pen, um, the Holy Trinity. He said nothing about the Holy Trinity whatsoever. On Trinity Sunday, on right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he went on and on about, well, he started with racism and then he moved on to the priest abuse scandal. So I looked at my son who's nine and I said, you know what? We're out of here. And then we got up and left. Right? I mean, but, you know, when I told him, you know, that's not what church is for. So I, I gave him an explanation, and I was a little bit heated about it because I just was so, I don't know why I was surprised, but I was so angry. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be teaching us and saving us and helping us. And I don't know. I guess my question is, how do you, how do you communicate, how would you communicate it in, in an appropriate way or in a calmer way? Um, what the priest was doing was wrong. Um, and he really shouldn't be, he should be, you know, talking about the Trinity versus, I, I don't want to, I don't want my son to, I don't even know how I'm trying to, to phrase it. Um, but it's important for you to finish that sentence. You don't want your son to what? To be, um, you know, crit- I guess critical and, and, and not, Christian about it, I guess I'm trying to say. I, okay. I, I wouldn't know what's wrong without um, grandiizing the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, mm, I do. Um, I'm not saying it very well, and I apologize. <laughs> no, no, I just want to make sure I understand you and, and the main concern you have about your son. 
in the priest's homily, was he using profanity and things that children shouldn't hear or just really not talking about the faith? Um, part one about the um, protest, not using profanity, uh, appropriate language, but part two about the sex abuse scandal, which I had not explained to my son. I thought that was not the time or place to be talking about that. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, all right. The only way, there's a few problems here, obviously, and for you to have left the church is not bad is not bad at all. The way you left it is not good. And the, the, uh, the way you teach your son is by your example. Because if your example contradicts what you're going to say, it's, it's what you're going to do that's going to teach him. So if you just say, we're out of here and get up and walk out, that's, you've already taught your son how to be critical, not to respect the priest, uh, not to respect the church, uh, you've already shown that by your example. That that's why I asked you the language. If you didn't want him to hear what the priest was saying about the priest scandal, the thing to do is say, sweetheart, come on, just follow mommy, and then go out and say, uh, I was having a little problem in there, we're going to go to a different church or something like that. The priest was angry today and probably was not the time for us to be there. I mean, something a little easier, a little gentle. Um, and I think you should say to your son, nine o'clock, uh, nine o'clock, listen to me, nine years old, he's certainly old enough to understand, but, uh, which is why your example of how you handle things is so important. So I would say to him, you know, son, uh, I did get angry and there's nothing wrong with being angry. Um, but I, I want to tell you that we need to separate, um, Uh, the sin from the sinner and we must though we can disagree with uh, sometimes a priest conversation when it's not appropriate during mass we don't ever want to disrespect the office of the priest see so just teach him those things it's a good opportunity for you to teach him that and say you know the priest is human like we are and he gets annoyed with what's happening like we do and um he probably was in a bad place and and it was an important Sunday and he didn't teach the faith so I got upset and walked out but um, we need to not uh, disrespect our priests uh, but we need to go to him and you could say mommy's gonna you know make an appointment with the priest and tell her why we tell him why we left and ask him no matter how things get in the church if he would be faithful in teaching us the faith so then you teach your son how to deal with it Okay, perfect. All right. All right, Lisa. God bless you. Thanks so much. God bless you, too. Have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We have an email from Nancy. Nancy says, since we are dispensed from our mass obligation, is it better to attend a low outdoor mass that is quite relaxed or to skip mass? The mass is legitimate, just not strictly attached to every rubric. It's a rough question, Nancy, but I want to make it clear, and it, I mean, we're all suffering awful things right now uh, that way, but we are not dispensed from mass obligation. I, I think now I'm saying it just about every program. Uh, Cardinal Burke, uh, one of the chief canonists of the church, made it clear that Sunday Mass is a divine law, and no priest and no bishop can dispense anybody from it. And though bishops throughout the country... 
and priests have said to their people, you are dispensed. The people are not dispensed. The priests and bishops are ignorant in this matter. They shouldn't be, but they have no right. They cannot supersede a divine law. We are obligated for Sunday Mass. That will never be dispensed. That's God's law. But there's always been reasons, if there's a grave reason for us not to go, if a church is bombed, if we're ill and can't get to Mass, if we need to stay home and take care of someone who's sick, whatever it is, we can't get to Mass, we go to confession and say we weren't able to go to Mass, we're excused, we're absolved, there's no problem ever with that. But we are never dispensed, never dispensed. And so this is very wrong. Um so I would say, um, no, it's not good to attend. It's fine to attend a low outdoor mass, but a quite relaxed where it's the, the, the not even the rubrics are followed, uh, that you're certainly not obligated to do that. You're certainly not obligated to do that. And so it's, it's a rough situation. If your priest cares less about the rubrics for the mass or the reverence for the mass and he doesn't even know what the mass is and that he is not under any freedom to do what he wants or to skip what he wants. Um, that is an abomination and, and you're not obligated to go to a mass like that. No. So um, it's a rough situation. It's a, I would just try Nancy and everyone else to find the nearest Latin mass you can. I'm not, against the Novus Ordo, if it's reverend and if it's good, but if not, I don't care if you need to drive two hours, find a Latin Mass and go. Uh, We have an email from Christine. She says she's from a U.S. military family currently stationed in Brazil. Wow. Hi, Christine from Brazil. She says, I'm new to listening to your program and I love it. Thank you for courageously bringing out the truth when I cannot even get the truth through my own priests and bishops. Here's the question. Regarding your statement on anyone who votes for a pro-choice candidate like Biden excommunicates himself from the church, where is that source from? Is it canon law? Thank you. There's the... um, the music for our break and we'll get to christine as soon as we get back from the break and our lines are wide open if anyone would like to call in toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the law listen to me the station of the law i'm thinking of canon law the station of the cross.com we'll be right back LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. 
LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um... And we have about 10 minutes together, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. And the toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I'm a little distracted by Christine's question. I'm trying to look it up on Canon Law. Christine is uh, emailing from Brazil right now, and she says, regarding your statement, on anyone who votes for a pro-choice candidate like Biden excommunicates himself from the church, where is that source from? Is that from Canon Law? Thank you. I, I'd have to listen to the program to say that to hear myself say that if you vote for pro-choice candidate, you excommunicate yourself. Uh, I would say what I did say is that you participate in his evil, which is which is mortal sin. And anyone who commits mortal sin, that's what they've done. They've excommunicated themselves. Someone who commits an abortion doesn't have to be excommunicated. They have ex- automatically. That's what mortal sin is. You commit mortal sin. You you excommunicate yourself from the church. You are out of the state of grace until you go for confession. So um, uh, if you vote for a pro-choice candidate like Biden, if you have if you vote for him because he's pro-choice and you call yourself Catholic, then, yes, you are in mortal sin. Um, If. You, you know, there's several candidates and they all are pro-choice in one respect or another. Uh, then you're going to wind up voting for a pro-choice candidate. I would. It's just a matter of picking the best of the worst. It's, that's what it is. The best of the worst. I have voted for the best of the worst for years. 
the, the candidates we have choices on today hardly give us much choice. But yes, there are pro-life candidates who don't fully understand what it means to be pro-life. Um, but they're better than others. So um, if we choose a pro-life candidate because he's pro-life, a pro-choice rather, um, uh, and we like his views on other things and he's very pro-choice, um, where we have a good choice for a pro-life candidate, then we're committing mortal sin. And it, because, again, we particip- we've put him in office and we are participating in his evil acts. But again, if we don't have that clear choice, we just have to vote for the best of the worst, and we are less accountable for that. I, I would not say don't vote at all, because it's better to save some lives than to save all, than not be able to save all. Um, I don't see it in canon law at the moment. I'd have to take a little time. What you can do, though, is a good, very good, clear answer on what is formal cooperation and what is material cooperation. And Jimmy Aiken has a very lengthy and good explanation um, with proportionate reasons on Catholic.com. So, and he explains Cardinal Ratzinger's um, uh, proportional reasons statement. So you might go, just type in on Catholic.com, is it wrong to vote for pro-choice candidate? And you will get that. And it's different degrees of accountability. Okay, but if you, the, the sure degree, the most accountable is voting for a pro-choice candidate because they're pro-choice, then you are um, absolutely in, in committing mortal sin, if that's your reason. Okay, uh, we have a call from Ann in Boston. Hi, Ann. Hi, Mother. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Good. Um, I have a question. I have some Catholic friends, raised Catholics, varying degrees from just, you know, really not knowing a whole lot about their faith baptized, and they went to Christmas and Easter, to Catholic school graduates, and at one time devout friends. And this group has become evangelical, different evangelical um, churches, and they're all of a sudden, they're all anti-Mary, and they all believe in the rapture, which I think is a great out in these days. Hey, everything starts happening with the riots and stuff. It gets real heavy duty. They're out of here. But I, I don't believe in the rapture. I know the church doesn't. I don't really know how to explain to them that this is, you know, this is not, they challenge me on my views. And I just, I just don't believe in it. So yes, I know. I know well, I think the church has a, yeah, the church has a different view on the rapture. You know, the first thing you could ask them is uh, how many comings of Christ do you think there are? And I don't think any Protestant is going to say other than two. He came the first time in the Incarnation. He's going to come a second time uh, to to judge the living and the dead, the second coming. And they're going to say two. And if they believe in the rapture the way they believe it, that that's three comings of our Lord. So that's off right there. Um, there is a, a great book on the rapture for Catholics there's a couple of them. One is called, um, Will Catholics Be Left Behind? Uh, and another, I think, is simply called The Rapture. 
But if you go on, I'm going to send you to Catholic uh, Answers again. If you go to, uh, that's just what I believed also. Uh, Seven-year tribulation, the rapture's right in the middle of it at three and a half years. Um, and those who believe will be raptured and the others will be left behind. Um, um, go to Catholic.com, go to their shop, and type in the search bar rapture. And uh, So you could go to their shop and get a couple of very good books. You can also just go to Catholic.com on their homepage, type in rapture, and you will get fantastic articles on the rapture and all the uh, support from Scripture. All right, that sounds great. And also, do you have anything um, to say, you know, having been an evangelical yourself regarding... Um, almost a disdain they have for Mary. They ask my prayers and they specifically say, don't say the Hail Mary, anything mm-hmm. else but the Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Is, I personally find offensive. I just, I try to be loving in my response. To them, but yeah, don't be offended. Don't be offended by it because they, they're ignorant. They don't understand. And if they knew their Catholic faith, uh, they would not have become Protestant. Um, you can say to them, um, no problem. I, I, I won't mention my mother and yours. No, don't do that. It'll offend them. Um, uh, to mention Mary, she said, you know, she is the mother of our Messiah. They do believe that. She did say all generations will call me blessed. They do that at least once a year at Christmas. So at least, you know, she's not anathema. Um, but you could say to them, you know, I know that's Mary's, uh, very, the very thought of her name. Uh, is it offense to you if it comes from a Catholic because you think we worship Mary? And she's the first one to lead us to Christ. We don't worship. We worship God alone. But you could say, you know, Martin Luther, because that's where Protestantism comes from. Um, he loved the Blessed Mother and he prayed the rosary. John Calvin loved the Blessed Mother, believed in her perpetual virginity, and prayed the rosary. So again, uh, while you're on the website of catholic.com, go to their shop and you will sing fabulous books, fabulous books for beginners on the Blessed Mother on Mary. And a book that I would recommend uh, for them is Carl Keating's Catholicism and Fundamentalism. It's published by Ignatius Press called Catholicism and Fundamentalism, and it scripturally supports, it's for evangelicals, it scripturally supports every single doctrine that Protestants have against the Catholic Church. Um, and it's, um, it's very, very good. And, of course, there's information there on Mary as well. So I hope that helps you, Anne. Um, sometimes we can't give full answers in such a short time, but we can lead you to, you know, where the answers are. And they're wonderful. And then get anything by Mark Miravalli on Mary. Um, outstanding. Okay, and God bless you, dear one. God bless all of you. And we'll, we'll speak with you tomorrow. <laughs> 